The last couple games in particular, kind of just being very selective and then at the same time being aggressive on pitches in the middle of the plate where I think he may have gotten away from a little bit. So um, that's kind of the model we want everyone to kind of follow. You know, I think that, um, you know, being ready for your pitch, whether it's the first pitch or whether it comes, you know, a pitch or two later and trying to do damage. Um, but even like his takes were good. His takes looked relaxed and under control. So um, we can get him rolling. That'd be great. Boy, would it ever. That's John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. The victorious Toronto Blue Jays. 6-3 winners over the Miami Marlins today. But you heard right here, right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet. What's, what's your coffee, Parker? We're uh, throwing stuff around. Is there anything in there? 6-3 is the final. That was John Schneider, yeah, talking about uh, Matt Chapman. Uh, Matt Chapman's home run, uh, one of the signature shots today in that 6-3 win. But, Kevin, really, the story of... Uh, Today's game, that five-run second inning, 22 pitches by my count, five runs. Um, a lot of swings on the second pitch of each at bat. Is that against Sandy Alcantara? Is that is that a plan, or is that just sort of simply reacting to the fact that his stuff wasn't great in that inning? It's B. Like, he, that's sort of his season, Sandy's season, is he'll be really good. He'll have one bad inning. When he has the bad inning, you've got to take advantage of that. When you got dudes in scoring position, you got dudes at traffic on the bases, you got to have good at bats. You got to be hunting things like John's talking about there, right? Don't try and do too much. He hangs you a slider. It's okay to hit a single to make the center fielder move a little bit to his left and have to hit the cutoff guy. Like, it's okay mm-hmm. to do that. And, you know, the Chapman thing, that's a big deal, especially if Vladdy's going to continue to look like Vladdy's looking, mm. like chasing pitches and, and not being able to get into hitters' counts. Right, it's the one zero. It's okay to be two and zero, two and zero on the season. He's hitting five seventy one. Probably a pretty good opportunity there to get frisky on balls down the middle. Sort of simplifies that. I don't want to go three and zero, so I'm going to attack thirds. I'm not going to try and nibble. I'm not going to try and go make the perfect pitch. I'm not going to try and throw you the perfect secondary pitch. I'm going to hunt the middle of the zone if I'm the pitcher because I don't want to go three and zero. But for him to be able to not allow the pitcher to do that, yeah, the Chapman thing's a huge deal. And, you know, there's been rumblings that they've had sort of, you know, the Brandon Belt thing is a big deal, I think, with Chapman having conversations about, we have heard things about the little side meetings of, you know, simplified, have a little bit of fun, right? Be who you are. Hunt your pitch. You get your pitch because you are you're a pretty good hitter, you're going to hit baseballs hard. And, I just like the whole part of it. He looked like today he's having fun. I, I know people roll their eyes. They're the big leaguers. They're you're make, talking about? Yeah, they're making tons <clears throat> of money. They should always have fun. Now, when you've had a slump as long as Matt Chapman's had, you, you ain't having fun no longer. And I just think that's a big deal, right? You're. It's like even when he struck out, he knew right away you could tell. As soon as he took the bad swing, when he was walking from home plate to the dugout, he knew exactly what he did wrong. But he had to go and check in the iPad just well, to I'm make sure. I'm not sure I didn't see that. I know he did. He ran to the iPad when he hit the homer. You know, he was hunting that dude with that iPad, thinking, I see you. Can I see what it looked like? What pitch it was? Yeah. Look, if it's uh, as long as he's hitting homers, <laughs> hitting balls hard, you know, taking that, balls uh, down the middle, hitting them doubles to right center. More power to you. I'll let, uh, all right, let's run through this a little bit. That was the first home run for the Blue Jays in four games. They won the series, by the way. Took two or three from the Marlins. They have an off day tomorrow. Then the Oakland Athletics are in town. The Jays had 11 hits. Bo Bichette was not in the lineup today because of a, 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 a sore left thumb, mm. which he injured on last night. We talked about it on, on 
on on Blue Jays talk in that first at bat, first plate appearance. Um, and John Schneider said today that look, it's we're not sending him for X rays. Uh, it was the twelve ten start. John Schneider essentially said if it was seven o'clock, there's a seven o'clock start. There's a pretty good chance that he'd be in the lineup. Yeah. It's the first time Bo's missed a game this year. It is. It's the seventh game. Only the seventh game. Keep the seventh game he's missed since 2021. Like this guy plays every day. So we'll keep an eye on that injury. But the reason I mention that is in his absence, the Jays got 11 hits. Only one Jays regular didn't get a hit. Any guesses to who it is? Yeah, that's the dude that can't get to the 2 0 count. 0 for 4. Yeah. And also, also, if you think otherwise that they plan these lineups out in advance, no Bo Bichette and no Dalton Varsho. That, that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. It, it, to think that they don't plan these things out weeks in advance, yeah. knowing what's going on, knowing that series wins matter yeah, right now because of where you're at in the standings at and not having Bo. We're at that point. And now you don't have Dalton Varsho either just because it's a day off and you want to give it to him. Stop thinking that. Like, mm-hmm. they, they've planned this out already and – Good for the good for them that they showed up. They had the big inning. I said this to you forever. When you're facing good pitching, you're not going to string together inning after inning of you know completed bats and and score bunches of runs. Your starter's going to have to be good enough to allow your lineup to have a big inning. Yeah, there was still the uh, the sort of the requisite sloppiness today as well. I mean, we've seen that from this team the 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 bunt with Heineman getting picked off. Uh, Espinal, you talked about the positioning on a on on a on a relay throw. I mean, they hit into a couple of double plays again, and and, and sort of ruined their opportunity to maybe build up, or I should say, add on against Sandy Alcantara. But uh, hey, it's a six three win, and my friend Mister Bark is right. At this stage, it's about winning series. It really is. You're not you're not you're not going to win the AL East. The AL East is gone. You got no chance of, of winning Sweeps the AL East. Sweeps may be hard to come by too because of what you just mentioned. Right. The not getting the bunt down. You know, the dudes that are at the bottom of the order that are supposed to do that, right? It's the little things. It's being doubled off on a line drive to shortstop when you're on second. Like, that is just the most high school stuff. Yeah. That when you're on second base and you see a low liner to an infielder, freeze, go back. Heineman, you're not a fast runner. Yeah. Station to station because of who's coming around in the order is okay. There's no excuse for it. That's how you don't go on 13 and two runs. Right. The uh, Jays, Kevin Gossman got the start today. Six innings pitched, eight hits, three earned runs, six strikeouts, one walk. Nine whiffs today against Kevin Gossman, which has to be, I don't know if it's a season low number of whiffs, but it, but it, it's got to be pretty damn close. It's probably not a real surprise because the Marlins are a, a uh, contact-oriented team. This is what Kevin Gossman had to say about about his start and about the Marlins. Yeah, it was good. I mean, honestly, they did a really good job of, you know, fouling off or taking the one that was down that they kind of couldn't really do much with. And, um, I mean, yeah, they did a really good job of laying off some really good ones and and just kind of putting away some of the other good ones. And, and uh, I mean, they, they really made me work. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously the first couple innings went pretty quick, but, um, you know, I don't know if it was the fourth or the fifth, um, you know, Obviously, some walks, uh, not as um, not as fine with my command that inning, but you know we were able to kind of right the ship and um, you know able to get in the seventh there. Fifteen called strikes and whiffs in his four seamer, uh, thirty called strikes and whiffs in uh, in in total 
13 fouls off the splitter. Again, this is the this is what the Marlins do, right? This is this is their offense. It starts at the top. They make contact. And that's uh you know, you're gonna look at the Marlins lineup and go, okay, once you get past the top two guys, it's really not that difficult. But it's you saw today why when they get a good start from their starting pitcher, which Sandy Alcantara has not been great this year. But you've seen why the Marlins have been able to be where they are because they do make contact. Yeah, they're not in the American League East. Like, that's basically what this comes down. You don't roll your eyes. It's straight. No, they're not in the American League East. It's a fact. You you can get away with having the lineup that they have, the the, the rotation that they have. I mean, I'm not saying it's not okay. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, Kevin, that's his C stuff. That 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 is what's special about Kevin Gossman is mm-hmm. he had C stuff today, right? Fifteen out of twenty seven strike once, not great, right? You got not for him, you know, not, especially not for anybody, when but not for well, him. Well, when you're a two pitch guy, it's not real good. He only had six strikeouts. Only that gets back to your point about the you know you're you're a two pitch guy. You have a lineup who's frisky. With when it comes to two strikes, they shorten up to try to go the other way. They they're choking up trying to foul balls off to raise pitch counts and all those kind of things uh, against the leadoff hitter every inning. Right, he was three out of seven. Two of those scored. That for me is the biggest deal with him. You have to get the leadoff hitter out of every inning, especially when you know. I know his velocity. I think was a little all over the place. The velocity on the fastball is a little up. Uh, the split finger velocity. I think maybe sometimes he's trying to overthrow it. Maybe it doesn't feel right, and, you know, he'd rather have that thing tunneling a little longer because the bite on the split finger the last couple starts just hadn't really been there. So he's trying to overcompensate for some things when it comes to throwing strike one and, and, you know, staying away from the big inning and trying to navigate around some decent hitters. That's what the really good ones do. This is sort of who Kevin is. This Mm -hmm. is why you sort of are excited when he's on the mound because – no matter who he's facing, he's going to give you a, a, a solid chance every single time out to to win a baseball game. They needed this. The uh, Jays, by the way, activated uh, Brandon Belt. He returned to the lineup today. Um, and we talked about the Jays' lack of offense. I found this stat uh, alarm. Well, not alarming. It kind of, I think, sums everything up because we, we, we've talked about how it's not like the Jays are at the bottom of every offensive category. In point of fact, they're... They aren't. They've got some good offensive numbers, but it's just not translating into runs. Kevin, May 24th, June 20th, so going into today's game, they had the third lowest runs per game in the majors behind Oakland and Kansas City. And uh, St. Louis was close by. St. Louis, I would argue, maybe the most disappointing team in baseball this year. Mets and right uh, Pittsburgh around there as well. So, But there you go. That just reinforces that. Uh, what was it? Three point, uh, I can't even remember. How many runs per game? Not a lot. It's not a lot. Uh, yeah, the, the bullpen was really good, too. Swanson came in and got the big double play against the lefty. I want to ask you about Eric Swanson because, you know, he comes in and he gets a double play against Arias. And we've seen this with Eric Swanson. At the start of the year, Yeah, Eric Swanson, other than Jordan Romano, was their best reliever. I mean, clearly, it, he had John Schneider, Pete Walker. They had total confidence in him. <clears throat> He's had a few hiccups here and there. Yeah, it's a long season. It, it, is, it, it is a long season. Today he comes in and gets Arias with with the splitter. I don't know what to make of Eric Swanson yet. Like I, we we talked about this a little bit off the air. I can see now why. I can see now why the Mariners were reluctant to use him in the postseason last year. I mean, I just get the sense that there's. 
Whenever you there's see, there's not a lot of con, there's not a lot of consistency there. Let me, whenever you see Kevin Gosman's fastball velocity at say ninety one to ninety three, is his right. split finger any good? Not really. Not really. You've got to have Swan, Swanson sort of the same way, right? He's a ninety three guy. You're facing really good lineups, really good hitters. The velocity's a big deal because especially they know in the you're postseason, two, you're talking. about. They know you're two pitch right. guy. They're, the lineups are in the postseason because the lineups are really good, right? And they make Deuce throw quality with, pitches. With all due respect to the Marlins, counts. you're you're not seeing a Marlins right. lineup in the postseason. Well, rise, rise is really good, right? But lefties are seven forty nine against Swanson, which mm-hmm. is a big deal. The split lefties are hitting one forty three. Uh, that's why John and John did the last couple of days. He boy, he was pulling all the right strings. Like it mm-hmm. was just everybody he went to, whether it's a pinch hitter, p- well, pinch hitter, whether it was the guy out of the bullpen in a certain situation, he was his. They were getting it done. His decisions with pinch hitting last night tilted that game in favor of, no of, of the Jays. The bullpen today. Now, I found this really interesting. Trevor Richards gets the hold, pitches the eighth. Jordan Romano gets the ninth. Of course, Trevor Richards had been used as the opener. This Not is for me and, anymore. Well, I was going to say, this is what John Schneider said after the game about his bullpen. And I, I'm going to ask you if I'm reading too much into this. It's huge, you know, whether it's Timmy yesterday, you know, Trev today, back kind of in his normal spot. Um, I thought Jimmy was good, Jordy. Um, you know, Swanee kind of unsung today, coming in with traffic and, and keeping the keeping the score where it was right there. But um, that's what you're looking for. I, mean, I think they've been pretty good, you know, over the course of the year, pretty consistent. Um, but yeah, it was, it's nice to kind of have them in spots where they should be. Oh. Does that not say to you that I do not want to see Trevor I, Richards open again? Yeah, it's not our fault that the quality of depth that the the GM has given us is not real good, and I have to pitch one of my better high leverage arms and in the first two or three innings of a of a baseball game. And, and here's the thing about... I ain't putting words in his mouth, but that's what I was reading. No, I, exactly. And here's the thing about... Because I know there are people out there saying, well, Trevor Richards... Trevor Richards was a guy that you people were looking get rid of last year. They really didn't care if he made the team spring training. Right he now. wasn't talked about. But this is the thing about relief pitching, right? It's moody. It is. It is. It's, it's moody. moody. And you got to take advantage when oh, Trevor yeah. Richards is in this mood. You got to take advantage of that. And you know what? You keep taking advantage of it until the rest of the league catches up. Them. Then you've got to make a decision on that. But that's what I took from that is, is uh, Trevor Richards. Let's just think about this. Let's just think about what I'm about to say. Trevor Richards is one of the most important pitchers in this team right now. That says a lot about a lot of things. That says a lot about where the bullpen is. That says a lot about where your rotation is. But it is a fact. He faced three, four, five in the order today in the, in the eighth inning. Yes. He threw 13 pitches. He threw seven change-ups. He had six swings on seven change-ups. Yeah. That's all you need to know about how good that thing is. I'd love to stand in the batter's box and see why it's what so good. What do you good. think it is? I, well, it's got to be arm speed because you can't tell the difference between his fastball and his change-up. He throws hard enough with the velocity on the fastball to make the 10-mile-an-hour difference between the fastball velocity and the change-up velocity make the change-up that much better. Now, I know what I do with him because there's no way he's going to make me look like he makes a bunch of good hitters look. I'm going to scoot closer to him. I'm going to try and get it. I'm going to try and make it look more like a BP fastball than the way it looks now, but... You you can't argue the way the location is the way the location is on the on the fastball, which is a big deal. You're a two pitch guy now. He's eliminated the breaking ball. The location on the fastball has to be really good. They have to respect that. The velocity elevated to lefties has to be really good. 
They have to respect that. The difference, just like I mentioned, between the two pitches is elite. And the arm speed, obviously, again, I've never stood in against him. Boy, I'd love to just to see what it's like because it is elite. He makes really good hitters not look really good, which will tell you all you need to know about what the changeup's like. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to put words in John's mouth, but you read between the lines. He's basically telling you, I shouldn't have to do this as a manager on a contending team. Put one of my better relievers leading off a baseball game. Yeah, the, well, the opener what are you thing. Saying? Is the, what are you saying? You know, the opener thing is a product of, uh, well, it's a product of the, it's a product of the fact that, that, that the general manager got no, no, no pitching depth in the off season, uh, and uh, put too much faith in the Mitch Whites and the Oof. Zach Thompsons and the the Drew Hutchinsons wow. of the world. And and, and but and in fairness, I, I what, did any of us see Alec Manoa happening? Not, I know not there, to this I know, extent, I know no. there are people out there but who are going to say was going to happen. Something mm-hmm. was going to happen, and they were going to need quality depth, not just an arm that you run no, out but, there. But what I'm quality. saying, I. Yes, I agree with that. I we all knew that there was going to be four a need for depth. Yeah, I don't think though we that anybody thought Alec Manoa would fall off the face well, of the earth. Not. And I don't now. This this is interesting because we're starting to hear stuff about Alec Manoa <laughs> possibly coming up the first week of July. Which everything you were told, everything I was told, is about two weeks ahead of time. Yeah. So, yeah. Look. <sighs> keeping in mind that the organization is not obligated to tell the truth. Um, and it's very easy for July 1st to roll around and say, yeah, you know what? We want to leave him down there. We want to see a few more things from him. But the fact that we're starting to hear July 1st now, when we heard end of All-Star, or after somewhere, the All-Star somewhere break, somewhere around, around the All-Star break, yeah. does that indicate to you that one, Alec Manoa is just is the best student in the oh. planet and he's doing what they wanted him to do and he's just whatever you do at the pitching lab, he's burning it out. Or two, does that indicate to you that they're at the point, Drew Hutcherson's gone, Mitch White can't help you. They're at the point now where they're thinking, you know what? See him 65% standings? of Alec Manoa may be better than... You see him standings? You, do you know where we're at? Which, you, you, see, you see the Mitch Whites of the world? You, you, you see who we don't want to use in the first couple of innings? Who, if conditioning-wise, Alec Manoa is better than he was when he left? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm a little, I don't know I'm a little shocked the, about the July 1st, and yeah, I believe it when I see it. I will, too. And that's because, a lot of pressure. If you if that's the that's the first start he makes when he comes back is that well, day, and, boy, and, that's, that's serious. Like, yeah, there's and, a lot of people going to be watching. And, I mean, more power to him. That's only 24 days. Between the time he got, because you got to figure, he got sent down the sixth. He ain't doing nothing the sixth and the seventh. So he's probably ramping that up the eighth. That's 24 days. Conditioning-wise, you think he can get ready in 24 days and come that, back and give you a start and that's that the matters? Thing. That's the thing. I mean, it's it, was, a lot to ask. It, it was about it was about conditioning with him. Absolutely. Absolutely about conditioning as well, as, as no much as question. anything else. So they're not going to. Repeatability gonna... of a delivery. Can you do it the way you're. Looking or arm speed wise, no, you can't. That's go down and fix it. Can you fix it in twenty four days? Yeah, it's a lot to ask. Now, I'm just looking at the J schedule. We mentioned they have tomorrow off. Then they've got three against the Athletics. Then they have an off day in the twenty sixth. Then they start another run of games against the Giants and Red Sox. So they've got a little bit of 
got a little bit of runway here going into July. They've got a couple of off days. Uh, and then they've got an off day on the 3rd. Then, of course, the All-Star breaks it. So, so they've got three off days between now and the 4th of July. So theoretically, you you might be able to work it so that you don't need, so that you don't need Alec Manoa. But um, Maybe. You think you can sweep uh, Oakland without him? Absolutely. You think you can take two out of three at home against the Giants or the Red Sox? Yes. Maybe one of those two series you might lose two out of three. Okay, I'll give you that, right? Either Both of those teams are hot. Uh, Pitching-wise, you know, they're starting to run into some balls. They're, they're a tougher. But you should You're going to have to play. So you, you might lose one of them two through. series. I'll give you that. The, the, the White Sox, you're going to play for three games on the road. You should take two out of three. Detroit, you might should sweep them in Detroit. Mm-hmm. You should gain some ground here. Like, yeah. you have enough talent. You have enough pitching you have enough urgency now knowing that if I got to punt the game <laughs> that I have to pitch one of my better relievers in, I'm going to punt that to throw him in those two games that matter the most. I'm going to try and win series. Because, again, Jeff, we just mentioned they won today, but they didn't still play a clean game. They didn't get bunt down. They got doubled off. Uh, they they couldn't execute a cutoff, you know, you got a good defender that's playing shortstop for your everyday shortstop who is going out too far. It's baseball 101. And you ask yourself, how do you go on 13 and two runs? You probably can't do that. So this is what I'm saying. If you got it right now, right now, Trevor Richards is one of your elite relievers. Yeah. You're going to use him when it matters the most. So this is a good part of the schedule for them. Uh, let's tell you what we have for you today on Blair and Bark. We've got a chance for you to win Jays and Diamondbacks tickets. You get a chance to see Lourdes Goriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno come here. The Diamondbacks are a, uh, one of the real good stories this they year. Are. We've got a chance for you to win tickets to see the Jays and Diamondbacks. David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson, joins us. He is the former Marlins president. We're going to talk to him a little bit about, about, about the Marlins. Uh, I, again, I just look at that team. I look at the pitching. I look at that division. I go, at some point... At some point, when do they become aggressive? Because I think the Brit listen, there's a big separation between the Braves and everybody else in the National League as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. But, man, you just... They need another hitter. They need They need another hitter. And I, I, would, I would be intrigued to see uh, what that lineup looked like with another hitter. And we're led to believe, by the way, that they were one of the teams that were really interested in Teoscar Hernandez as well. And you look at Teoscar Hernandez, put him in that lineup. I mean, you can tell where they would... He's a threat. You can tell where they would need him. So David Sampson joins us at 6 o'clock. The back leg line is 416-413-3959. Your chance to leave comments and questions for Kevin or myself. And um, we got a little story we're going to dig into here in the next segment. Um, Chad Jennings of The Athletic... Uh, wrote an article today talking to Alex Cora, the Red Sox manager, about his role in signing Masataka Yoshida, who uh, has, has, I wouldn't say he's been a revelation. He's pretty much come as advertised. And there was a nugget. There was a nugget in the story. If you think back to the story Jeff Passan did last year on Justin Verlander, and Justin Verlander said in that story that Toronto was a finalist for his services that he thought seriously about down it, like the teams. organization. It came down to two teams. Mm-hmm. Toronto's one of them. Yeah. Well, uh, Yoshida apparently told Alex Cora, the Red Sox manager, that he, Yoshida, the player himself, 
thought he was going to the Blue Jays in the offseason. Mm. Now, let's just think a little bit about that. He signed with the Red Sox on December 15th. Five years, $90 million. Look at what happened in and around those days for the Blue Jays. Chris Bassett signed on December 16th, three years and $63 million. Dalton Varsho was traded or was acquired on December 23rd in the trade for Gurriel and um, Gabriel Moreno. Now, again, we don't, you know, I don't expect anybody at the Jays organization to come out and say, nor should they, nor should they come out no. and say, well, we had this deal and it fell apart. Mm. But Kevin and I, I, Kevin and I have spoken all along and I've said it all along. You have I, said it that a I've lot. looked, I've looked at the blue Jays lineup. I've looked at their lineup in the payroll. And I said, there's no way Mm-mm. that that's what they chose. There's no way yeah. they, they chose a lineup where Brandon Belt was going to be the cleanup here. With no. all due respect to Brandon Belt, there's Absolutely. no way there's no way that it, the first meeting of the offseason, the Jays said, you know what we need to do? That's the final piece for That's a championship. That's the final piece is, is Brandon uh, yeah, Bell. Yeah, yeah. So this might explain a little bit, right? Like you kind of do, kind of put some things together here. If the Jays had signed Yoshida, could they still, would they still have had the money to sign Bassett? We know that they signed Kevin Kiermeyer after the Teoscar Hernandez trade, and they've said that the money saved from Teoscar Hernandez went to Kevin, Kevin Kiermaier. See, I think there's a way that you could have worked this so that you could have had Yoshida, Kiermaier, and Springer zero field. Then either you get Bassett signed, or if that doesn't happen, you still got your trade chips. You've still got Moreno, yeah. Moreno and Goriel, and maybe use them to get a pitcher. It's fascinating. And look, tra- trades that aren't made, they're always fun to talk about. So we're sure. going to take a little deeper dive into that when we come back. It's Blair and Barker, the post-game edition on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Blair and Barker. We've got tickets to give away our daily trivia question. David Sampson joins us as well. The back leg line is open, 416-413-3959. You're awfully chipper, too. Yeah. That's because the Jays, they are, won. the Jays are coming off a 6-3 win over the Miami Marlins. More fun talking when they win. Taking the series, taking two of three games in that particular series. So just before the break, we talked about this a little bit. Chad Jennings of The Athletic as an article on the growing relationship between Alex Cora and uh, Masataka Yoshida. And this is a paragraph in the story that kind of got, <clears throat> pardon me, that kind of got our attention. Uh, and Alex Cora, earlier this year, was trying to guess which team was the runner-up for Masataka Yoshida. Hmm. And uh, this, is, this is from Chad Jennings' article. Cora said he tried earlier this year to guess which team was the runner-up in the Yoshida sweepstakes, but Yoshida again surprised him by saying he was going to end up with, by saying that he thought he was going to end up with the Blue Jays. Yoshida's left-handed bat would have been a nice fit in the Toronto lineup. 
and it wouldn't have made things any easier in the American League East. Mm-hmm. Quote, I'm glad that it was us, Cora said. Obviously, he's been the best all-around hitter in the Red Sox lineup. Mm-hmm. He leads the Red Sox in batting average, o- average OBP, and OPS. Uh, and, um, yeah, it, it was I, – I, I mentioned that it reminded us a little bit of Jeff Passan's article last year where Justin Verlander comes out and says that the Blue Jays were the finalist for his services uh, when, when, when he was a free agent. And – you know, as I, as I said, it's, it's, you can never, I mean, you can never really tell what's real and what isn't. It's entirely possible that Yoshida's agent said to him one time, hey, you know, Toronto also liked you. So therefore, yeah. in Yoshida's mind, Toronto was the runner up. But as we said, when you look at what happened in and around the day that he signed, right? Yoshida signed on the uh, 15th mm-hmm. of December. Five years, $90 million. He makes $15 million this year. Um, The Blue Jays, a day later, got Chris Bassett's signature on a three-year, $63 million contract. Eight days later, eight days from December 13th, on December 23rd, they make the deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks getting uh, Dalton Varsho for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno. And then uh, in January, they signed Brandon Belt. So we just kind of, we've been having a little bit of fun with this and thinking that, okay, if they'd got, if they'd managed to get Yoshida, first of all, he would have made sense. First of all, he fit perfectly in this lineup. Oh, you kidding me? Well, he fit perfectly in any lineup, but in this lineup in particular, he would be, I mean, Springer, Yoshida, Guerrero, Bichette, or Springer, Yoshida, Bichette, Guerrero, however you want to, however you want to square it, would probably be, would probably be your top four. Um, you know, and then you, you have to ask yourself, okay, well, could they still have had Kevin Kiermaier? Well, the, Kevin Kiermaier signed earlier than that. And the Jays said that, that they thought actually, what is the exact date that Kevin Kiermaier signed? Um, yeah, Kevin Kiermaier signed on December 15th, the same day that Yoshida signed mm-hmm. with the Red Sox. So either Yoshida, maybe Yoshida was going to be the guy they were going to get instead of Kiermaier. I tend to think that because the Jays have said they landed Kiermaier with the money they saved for Hernandez, uh, trading to Oscar Hernandez. Maybe you could have got both those guys still, and then you yeah. have Kiermaier and Yoshida well, in your outfield. Going into the offseason, you were thinking to yourself, well, you needed to make up for Teoscar Hernandez's 25 and 80. Yeah. And you wanted better defense yes. in the outfield, and you wanted to be able to move George Springer to right field. Yep. Those two things could have been done easy. Yep. By putting Yoshida in left field, Kiermaier in center field, and Springer in right field, like it makes and if you still total want, sense. if you still want, you can acquire you can acquire Brandon Belt. The difference is you're not bringing Brandon Belt in and saying he's my cleanup hitter. Yeah, all of a sudden you're bringing Brandon Belt in as a guy who can give me a lefty bat off the bench. Uh, I can play first base when I need to DH Vladdy. We we've said this that the 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 lineup. Didn't make sense, Mm-mm. given what the Blue Jays' payroll was coming out of spring training. There, there was something incomplete about it, and I thought that it kind of looked it looked to me like a team that wasn't able to do exactly what it wanted to do in the off season. And maybe the thought process is, hey, we can address it in season. We do have the trade deadline coming up, mm. but. 
it seems to me that it's a whole hell of a lot harder to add an impact middle of the order bat at the trade deadline no than question. it is in the off season, right? You don't really have anything to give up either. I mean, the, most of the time of the trade deadline, we're thinking, you know, there's the odd Juan Soto deal that happens, but most of the time of the trade deadline, uh, you're thinking we're going to add a starting pitcher, we're going to add some bullpen help, maybe we're going to add a guy at the the edges of our lineup, a guy like Whit Merrifield last year who An gives us something guy, we don't have. Afraid of the lights, exactly. That's older guy is not afraid of the lights, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Anyhow, it's fun. It's it's fun to think about that. And, um, you know, and we've just kind of played around with it. And we thought, okay, well, you can still sign Chris Bassett. I mean, your payroll is going to be big anyhow. So you can still sign Chris Bassett. But then what you do, now all of a sudden you've got Guriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno. You've got, you still got your big trade chip. See, that's why this, to me, it didn't make sense that you've traded because we, we, we just assumed they didn't want to trade Ricky Tiedemann. So, You've got two pieces you can move because you've got some catching depth and you've got outfield depth. It seems to me that in your perfect world, you're using that. Either you're splitting those two guys up or I don't know how you want to, how you want to parse it, but I've, it's almost like I think you're, you're using those two guys to get more than to get more than Dalton Varsha. You know, Jays fans don't want to hear this, right? No, but it's a, it's a second year row in there. And, you know, look, we, again, first of all, we, I, I presume, I, Alex Cora is not going to lie. This no. is what Alex Cora has been told by the player himself. Yeah. Um, He's gotten a reason. And Chad Jennings has gotten a reason. I mean, it's, it's like it's a line in the middle of a story. It's not like Chad Jennings is going to create this. So the only line you remembered, though. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so in, in Yoshida's mind, at least, there was a chance that he would come here. And again, and we don't know why it didn't happen. Maybe the Red Sox wanted, what did they offer him, five years, I said? Maybe the yeah. Jays only wanted to go four. Um, I would, part of me kind of finds that hard to believe, uh, given the way this World Series, given the way this team is, you know, again, mm-hmm. I'm not always going to talk about the payroll, but the fact is this team's got a healthy payroll. And they've got some money coming off the books. And I've got to think you would be able to... I, I can't imagine if you're the Blue Jays, you draw the line at a fifth year for a dude. You know, maybe it was a, a simple well, matter of fact. You should be used to paying it. Right. Maybe it, was a, come here. maybe it was a simple matter that the Red Sox offered two more years. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the guy that would really be... That would be in, intriguing to talk about this is Kyle Bloom, the, the GM of the Red Sox. I'm sure he had an idea of what was going on here. <laughs> what do you think? But, uh, hey, it was just kind of... Um, it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun to to, ah, fun, to think about that. Fun, well, to think about because he takes a lot of pressure off a bunch of people in that lineup, like a bunch of people. He's an older guy. Like you, he's made some adjustments early on. You know, older guys know how to look themselves in the mirror and go, "This ain't working. I need to fix this and fix it in a hurry." He's done that. Like the the mechanical changes he's made to catch up the velocity, right? To be able to lay off a breaking ball that's not a strike. Like that's the difference, right? From where he came from to here, it bites a little better. Yeah. Like it's it's located a little better. It's thrown a little harder, right? They they can attack weaknesses more often. Like there's there's things that you have to adjust to a little bit quicker. He's a little bit of an older guy between the years. You can tell he's a smart dude. He's, he can figure it out and figure it out in a hurry. He'd look perfect in the two hole here. Like I just, I, I mean, I hate to say it that way because he's not here, but boy. Right. And you know, it, look good here. And I mean, we've had, you could put Bo in the cleanup spot, protecting Vladdy yeah. in the three spot. 
Yeah. Or, or I mean, or moly. No, 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 no. Well, who doesn't need protecting? Yeah. That's Bo. Correct. That's, you're getting to that's the point where point. you're starting to see that, right? You don't want to believe it with Laddie, but what he's swinging at, it's almost like he's forcing you to believe it. Tanaka's OPS plus. He's 29 years old, by the way, if you're interested in his age. His OPS yeah. plus is 133. He's got eight home runs, uh, 39 RBI, 17 doubles. And, uh, and well, you and, see what they're, you triples. see what John's doing. Uh, he's putting dudes in the two hole that are getting on base for the Jays so Bo and Vladdy can come up with traffic, yeah, and simplify it right. You, you want a dude to have to throw Vladdy strikes, St- good, good hitting pitches because of traffic. And you know, it's funny, you, you think about the, the players going back three years, the players that the Jays kind of swung and missed on. Um, and we talked about Yoshida, obviously we've been talking about him. We talked about Verlander last year. I don't know if swung and miss is probably the wrong phrase. A guy's a free agent. Guy's going to go. got lucky there. A guy's going to go where he wants to go. Well, bingo. Uh, yeah, you exactly. might have got lucky there. Uh, Michael Brantley the uh, year before. You might have got lucky there too. Well, except, I mean, he would have looked nice that year. Yeah. Right but now. Years be, after that, you might've got lucky. Yeah. But yeah. it's just interesting talking, thinking about some of the deals, uh, some of the deals that, that, that could have been made. And, uh, and it does again, I think kind of lend credence to the idea that this lineup is there's a lot of plan B here in this lineup. And um well you're banking on three dudes plus Chapman to carry it consistently mm-hmm. all year and then you were sort of going to try and fill in the blank with Varsho, Kiermaier, Belt. Sometimes doesn't always work out that way. Uh, we've got tickets to give away to see the Jays and Diamondbacks on July 14th at the Rogers Center. We've been giving you the chance to win tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, uh, whether you listen to us on podcast, watch us on TV or on the radio. And all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 590-590. Yesterday's trivia question and answer was the Blue Jays set a franchise record for runs scored in a game last season when they faced the Red Sox. What was the score in that game? Uh, the answer was 28 to 5. That was on July 22nd, 2022. I mean, they might not get 28 runs this month. I don't Be know. nice. Yeah, Be nice. Serious. Say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Today's question, as I mentioned, is to win tickets to see the Jays and Diamondbacks down to the, I'm sorry. From the <laughs> well, bottom, they won two out of three. From the bottom of they my heart. That's good pitching. How many runs do they score? It doesn't matter. They face good pitching. Eight. It was really two really tough right handed pitchers in a row. They won both of those. Uh, 15. Half, half 16, full, 17. Glass half full guy. Don't be that guy 19, coming off vacation. 20. I think people 26. know this already. All right. So, yeah, I was wrong. They've actually scored more runs since June 9th than they did in that one game. 28 to 5. Today's question, as I mentioned, is to win tickets to see the Jays and Diamondbacks down at the Rogers Center on July 14th. I just wanted to do that for... It's amazing I'm still a nice person. I just wanted to do that for, for accuracy. It is which, amazing, huh? Which D-backs player, which D-backs player had the game-winning walk-off hit against Mariano Rivera to give Arizona the World Series win in 2001? <laughs> is that a real question? That's a real question. <laughs> which D-backs player had the game-winning... Walk off hit against Mariano Rivera to give Arizona you know the I World do. Series win in two thousand and one. <laughs> Seriously, the 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 book that has never been written was the book of all of us who were at that game writing our game stories. 
have sent the game stories in why, when this why, happened. Why are you because playing there's, infield there's, in? Why are you playing infield in with a dude that gives up soft there, contact? There, why are you doing that? Yeah, but there's Explain no, it to me. Uh, we're sitting there saying, it doesn't matter. It's Mariano. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not, soft nothing's contact gonna happen. to lefty. So, yeah. Nothing's going to happen. Why are you we're playing infield in? Nothing's going to happen. Not anyhow, the ball on the ground? Anyhow, we were in wrong. the blooper. We were wrong. We should have all saved all the stories we wrote. You know, it was going to be the... Uh, Alfonso Soriano was sort of going to carry the the torch. He'd had a decent series. He was going to be the next great uh, Yankee, et cetera, et cetera. Anyhow, that didn't happen. Mm. But which D-backs player of the game-winning walk-off mm-hmm. hit against Mariano Rivera to give Arizona the World He's Series win show. in 2001? Yes, he has. Yeah. Text the answer to 590-590 for yeah. a shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Buster only did a book called The End of the, the Last Night of the Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Based on that game, he was right. That was the end of the Yankees, the end of the Yankees dynasty. Who do you think wins the World Series first? Jays, Yankees. Oh. Oh. Mm. Not an easy answer. Is no, it? because the Yankees are old. Are old. <laughs> That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're old and they're easy to pitch to. That's kind of a. Dumb question. It is not a dumb question. It is not a dumb question. It's the Yankees and the Blue Jays were picked by many, maybe one in this room, to get to the World Series this year. I don't know who'd be dumb enough to do that. That's a great question. Uh, He's older than me. (laughs) I don't know. This is going to sound really good. I'd take the Yankees. Yeah? No, I I can't. I can't. The Yankees are, they're a year away from being, but they're the Yankees. Yeah. It's, and, not, it's not an easy answer. And Otani's going to be out there. He is not coming to the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, he'd, he'd have a better chance of going to go on the Rangers before the Yankees. Oh, that's a fact. I will go this way then. I'll turn <laughs> Don't it say on. the Orioles. I am. I was going Orioles, <laughs> Jays, and Yankees. Orioles. Who wins first? I'd go with Jays ahead of Yankees. You would? Because I feel like being a homer. I don't know if my heart's in it. Um, I would pick the Orioles. If I'd you give the, me an option of the three with the way the Orioles are and the money that go. they haven't spent next and what they can spend next year, yeah. I'm going to go with the – I would go with the Orioles. But it's a, it's a, it's a very intriguing I still conversation. Need, it is, and I still need to see – I still need to see that Orioles' ownership would be committed enough to go out and add that guy – at the trade deadline. I think they'll have to. Or no free agent will want to come there. I think they'll have to this year. I mean, why wouldn't you? They'll have to. No, but I'm saying if they you... They did last year. If, if why they, didn't they last year? They were a good because, team last year. Yeah, because it's different this year. Because last year it was, oh my God, they can't be this good. This year it's, oh, this is a team that's even better than they were last year when they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. And if you hit the trade deadline and you're the Orioles and you're in second place and the Red Sox and the Jays are, are behind you, you... I mean, you got to add something at the deadline. You have to. Let's see. And you know, the thing is, you've got so many. You are literally never going to be in a bind financially because you got another wave of dudes like Jackson Holiday coming up. You've got you're going to have four mm-hmm. guys on your roster making peanuts. Four everyday guys, maybe five everyday guys, position players making peanuts for the next four years. You didn't answer the question. The Orioles. <laughs> But you mean the that's Yankees? The Yankees and the Jays? That's not my question. The Yankees and the Jays. I. I it's a great question. That's a dumb question. It is not because you don't have an answer. That's why it's, you think it's dumb. All right, I'm going to go with. 
I'm going to go with Jays just to just because I need an answer to it. Why? Yeah, just Why'd I just you pick the Jays? I have no idea. <laughs> Who's going to win a championship first? Leafs, Jays, or Raptors? The Raptors have already won. Leafs. But from this point on. Leafs. Raptors don't have a superstar, and the Leafs can't get out of their own way. How's that? How's that? And, for I, an and I don't and I don't watch uh I don't watch hockey, but I've watched enough. Uh it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Oh, I think I have an answer. It's a whole new game. I didn't prep for this. Of course not. I didn't prep for this. So, so what's uh, new? Well, I just well, didn't. <laughs> I didn't prep for this. But uh, on the other hand, I didn't prep for last night either when I nailed. I nailed the... Uh, I knew what the answer was going to be. Over just, on, on, on outs It's a for, better show if you don't agree. I nailed that. Outs for a ye of little faith. <laughs> Put my money on you, say. Something I never, ever thought I'd ever do. Put some money I, on you, say, Kikuchi. I talked to the right people that said the leash was longer. Well, anyhow. Mr. Boffo, what are you uh what are you going to entice us with tonight? What am I gonna what what am I going to uh to, <laughs> you keep to, a score now? What am I gonna, am I gonna what, are you, to try? what are you gonna ask? How are you gonna get me to part with my hard earned cash? <laughs> and well, it is hard earned, and I don't make enough of it to to do old, any of Wayne, it. Wayne, you make more than me. And it is tough to get you to part with it too. Oh, great oh, point. Oh. That is a great point. Yeah, you still want to lunch anyhow. one time. Go ahead. But anyways, the Yankees and Mariners are doing battle tonight at Yankee Stadium. The game will be on Sportsnet. Castillo on the mound for Seattle. Burrito for the Yankees. Over-under, set by Bet Rivers, is seven runs. Will the total go over or under seven? Yankees. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under. What, the, do you have a reason? No. Just because I... I'm, go- I'm going under also. Why are you going under? Castillo is really good in Yankee Stadium. Seattle has scored the fourth fewest amount of runs on the road in Major League Baseball. There's two reasons. It probably won't happen. They'll probably score 15 runs apiece. But Castillo is really good. He's really good in Yankee Stadium. And the Seattle Mariners don't score runs on the road. Mariners disappointing to you? Absolutely, because of their pitching. And because they were yelling and screaming about they went out and fixed the offense. Dudes are going to hit homers now. The outfield offense was going to be better. Mm. Yeah. Expectations are a different animal, Bigger right? Bigger disappointment, Mariners or Jays? Vladdy and the Mariners. Not the Jays. All right. The Jays are still in it. The Jays have lots of talent. The, the Jays do everything off the field possible to have success. It's not lack of effort. It's not coaches not trying hard, doing their homework. Are you saying the Mariners Coming do? together. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I, you asked me a question, was it the Jays or the Mariners? And I'm saying right now for me, consistently, what you see from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., in my opinion, because of the talent and the, the hit that you saw yesterday that human beings are not supposed to hit the way he did after taking the three, one pitch swing that he took and then getting the three, two fastball that's up around his chin and hit a lane at a right center. Humans aren't supposed to do that. And then double it up by having the day he had today. It's Vladdy for me. It's very disappointing. And I wonder, I I wonder why the correction has taken so long for him. I was, that's the one thing I wonder. I was not in all, not as in on the Mariners as a lot of people were. I think their Same pitching's thing. really love, good. Uh, their pitching's really good. Pitching's really young. It's really good. Nobody thought the Rangers were going to be this good. <sighs> no. 
I mean, you, there was you thought you thought the Mariners could do some things. The Rangers, they were kind of a bit of a trendy pick, but not. I didn't. I didn't think that they would be as 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 good as they are. Surprised Degrom got hurt. I'm not. Like I, you, you, they, we're, but they haven't you missed were wishing. It. Yeah, he didn't. Well, Valdi's been really good, and their offense is the best in baseball. That helps. Yeah. Uh, that was between the lines. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Who gets credit for this if we if if we're right? We both do. I don't think you should. Because you I didn't have a reason. Home. You didn't do anything. I was doing other stuff. I forgot. I forgot to do my homework on it. I did homework yesterday and I won. Can I do this again? Let me see here. No, it's too late to do it now. If it's going to make you happy, I'll take the over. It's not. You did the same thing yesterday. You took the under and then you changed your mind because I gave you all good reasons. But except this time you didn't give me good reasons. I'm I gave you two really good reasons. I'm taking the over, not the under. Okay. You want the under. I'll take the over. I'll take the under. Okay. Uh, David Sampson is host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson. He's a former Miami Marlins president. By the way, I'm up. I the, the Marlins got rid of that uh, the water feature they had in center field. They it was had ugly. Like, I thought it was great. I think uh, anyhow, you're the only person. Yeah, I know. Uh, he's uh, host of Nothing Personal Should with David Sampson, former Marlins president. I don't have enough room in the backyard. <laughs> you, on the other hand, have got room in the backyard. Then you wouldn't have to come in here and whine and complain about cutting and mowing and fertilizing and uh... hunting rabbits and gophers <laughs> and birds, chickens, anyhow. David chickens. Sampson joins us next. The back leg line, she is open, chickens. 416-413-3959. Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet. in depth like no one else the raptor show with will Lou. subscribe and download the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts all right welcome back to blair and barker uh, is today Wednesday? Sure. The Blue Jays beat the Miami Marlins 6-3 today. Mm-hmm. And uh, took two of three from the Marlins in yes. that series. They have the off day tomorrow. They're home to uh, face well, the Oakland Athletics. Who do you think should leave their phone at home tomorrow for the Jays? Guillermo Martinez, <laughs> Dave Hudgens. I don't think so. Any I think they, they, won two in, they won two in a row. I don't think you can do it now. They'd have to go on like a three or four game losing streak for them to. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That was just those were the names that came to mind. Mm. No, you want to fire. Those are good names. You want to fire everybody. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> no. Somebody's got to pay. <laughs> we're at that time of the year. We are at that time of the year where somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to pay for yeah. this mess. Look at the payroll. Look at the payroll. <laughs> somebody's got to pay. It's true. Anyhow, let's just see what happens against the Athletics. If they lose two or three to the uh, to the A's, mm-hmm. somebody's going to have to pay. Win series, sweep the A's. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's the difference. Uh, so again, the uh, Jays have tomorrow off, and um, 
they'll be inter- they'll be starting their three what games series Vladdy on goes Friday. One for Parker and myself will do Blue Jays talk following Friday's game. What? What if Vladdy goes one for twelve against the A's in three games? Then it'll be that, that's when if you're Guillermo, you leave your phone at home. Then it'll be just another series for Vladdy. <laughs> be nice. I'm just telling you. Four one six, four one three, three nine five nine is the back leg line. We'll get to oh. that later on in the show. Questions, comments, suggestions for Kevin Parker. But right now it's our pleasure. It's always our pleasure. He's the best. He is the best to bring in David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson, former president of the Miami Marlins. Mr. Sampson, thank you for joining Kevin and myself as always. Um, I got hey, I got to ask you this because Barker kind of busted my you know what about this. Mm-hmm. I liked that water feature in center field at That's the ballpark. Awful. It's atrocious. It's atrocious. I, what was the story behind it that, is. and why did it go? Because I liked it. <laughs> I mean, ugly. I swear it was so, not a. It's really a, big and not pretty. You know pretty. what it was? It was camp. <laughs> it was campy, and okay. I loved it. Okay. I appreciate the support. It was a piece of public art by a very famous sculptor named Red Grooms, who's a pop artist. And we wanted to be like Shea Stadium, the Apple. We wanted a home run feature like the train at Enron. We wanted something. It's not Enron anymore. That's so funny. I just called it Enron live on the air with you. (laughs) I think the FBI Um, is going to arrest you. I think even if if you just (laughs) mention the name Enron, they show up at your place and slap you in handcuffs. But anyhow, that's okay. Old habits die hard. So the train at Minute Maid that has the oranges on it or the brewers, they had the slide for Bernie the Brewer. So we were trying to think of something. And Jeffrey said, why don't we have Red Grooms design this amazing sculpture that will go off every time there's a home run and every time there's a victory Hmm. and it will be Miami. And it was. And I loved it. It made the ballpark Miami. Derek Jeter took over the Marlins and he spent, wait for it, Millions of dollars of, sorry, not his money, of Bruce Sherman's money and the partner's money to have it moved outside the ballpark. And the public agreed to let him do it if he paid for it, which really angered me. Not because that he was ruining Marlins Park. That upset me. What angered me is the thought that an individual and an individual's taste could trump what the public viewed as public art, which means that any politician can walk in and look at a sculpture and say, oh, I don't like that, get rid of it. But it was supposed to be there for the people to enjoy forever. So it's very disappointing. And the ballpark now looks ordinary. There's no feature. There's no nothing. There's no fans. There's just Blue Jays victories. <laughs> and I'm sure you took no satisfaction yeah, in that. I should apologize to today. both of you. That, 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 Why? That, well, that thing means a lot to you guys. Well, so I, I, I apologize I just, for that. I'm a, fan of, I'm a fan of stuff like that. I love features in ballparks. I love things that, that you need talking points. In ballparks. It did that, I think. Oh, it was, and it was, and what the hell. People are too serious. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You know, people... Jeffrey was a lot of things, Jeff, but one thing, he has an amazing eye for art. Yes, he, he does. he said to us when the ballpark was being designed, he said he wants for a person in the ballpark to be able to look in any direction and know they're in Miami. So he wanted color. Mm-hmm. He wanted fish tanks. He wanted the home run feature. He wanted the downtown skyline. He wanted to make sure that you knew you were in Miami. And what Jeter did is made sure that people thought they were just lost in New York. David, I, I want to ask you about the Marlins because we just, we saw them, we saw the Jays take two or three games from them. Um, 
you know, they're still, they're, they're hanging in and they're more than hanging in the National League East. The Marlins have always, always, always been able to have young pitchers. I mean, you guys had a, a ton of young arms. Is, and of course, you won a World Series when you were with the Marlins as well. Knowing what you know about the ownership there right now, is there any way they are going to at any point go all in here? Because I just look at that team and I, and I keep thinking to myself, the National League right now, the Braves are really good, but there's a whole bunch of just other teams there. And I look at the Marlins and I think that'd be, that'd be such a fun team to really drop the hammer on and go Some for good it. good pitching too. Can you imagine if the reigning Cy Young winner was actually decent this year? Yeah. What yeah. that would do for that team? He's the worst pitcher in their rotation. That's remarkable. So, by the way, you mentioned all in. The Marlins right now, I believe, have the second highest payroll in history. We jacked it up in 2012 when we signed everyone who we traded to you in the end of 2012. Thank you so much for taking all that money, by the way. Mm -hmm. But that the payroll is very high in Miami right now. So that board, the board which runs the Marlins, Bruce Sherman's the owner, but he has a board of investors, and the Marlins lose a ton of money. I don't think that they will allow him to take on more money at the deadline, but you can always, always avoid taking on money at the deadline by paying with prospects. Right. And so the Marlins may just have to give prospects away, but they better add. They need bullpen help. They need another bat. Because if you're going to make a run in October, you know, having a rise is unreal. But you got to make sure that people are driving him in and you need people to hit for power. And the Marlins just don't score enough runs and don't hit for enough power. And to get into October and through October, you need that. And so I expect the Marlins to buy because you've got to support what this team has done. And they have put themselves in a position to deserve an ad. David, does it work? some of the time to fire the hitting coach in season. <laughs> Not that Barker wants to fire the hitting coaches no, here, no. but I, Barker I, wants to fire I, the hitting I coaches. I often here. ask you this question because you give great answers and you've done it before. And we have this conversation because the the dudes on the, the Jays in, the, in their lineup are the main guys, like the really good hitters, and they've been struggling. Matt Chapman's had a couple of good games, but they've been struggling for quite some time. And I just wonder – front offices, how do you know when it's the right time? And how do you know it'll work? Well, the answer is you don't to either. So I want to pull the curtain back and tell you when we fire hitting coaches. When we see enough players underperforming and we view the hitting coach as not actually working as hard as the hitting coach needs to work, or that players have regrets because the hitting coach is doing things with the players that is getting in their head or it's making their approach different or they're not prepared enough for a particular game. Remember, the job of a hitting coach is to prepare the hitters for each series, to go through the opposing team's pitching staff, to go through approach, to go through situational hitting. And we'll sit with the hitting coach and say, listen, why are our guys striking out this much? we got to get the run in from third base under two outs. What approach are we teaching these kids that we start with the minor leagues and then bring it up through the system and do it at the big league level also? So it's one approach that you want throughout your minor league system that you want to happen also at the big league level. And if your big league hitting coach is not a fan of the approach that you have in your system or is not effective at communicating that approach and you have underperforming guys, then go ahead and fire them. 
What if your best hitter is flying in family members to try and fix him? <laughs> That's what? a Tuesday. <laughs> that is not. That is irrelevant. It is. Truly. It's they not a big have, deal. No, the, mm. everyone's got hitting guys on the side. You'd be surprised. Owners listen to their landscapers sometimes about who to trade and who to sign. It's uh, you just get used to that. Pudge Rodriguez, our World Series year, left the team, and we said he was leaving for personal reasons. But the truth is that he was leaving to go work with his personal hitting coach, huh. and. He was he was in a slump, not playing well, and he did that and came back and still wasn't playing well, but started hitting eventually. But players like doing that; they have a comfort with their own hitting coaches. That is totally normal. That's uh, why I ask you. It's a great answer. It is a great answer. Yeah. Uh, there was an interesting little item in the in the Athletic today, uh, talking about Alex Cora's relationship with Masataki Yoshida. And in the middle of the article. Uh, Alex Cora says that, you know, he'd been trying to figure out which team uh, almost signed Yoshida uh, in, in, instead of the Red Sox. And, you know, again, it's just a line in the article, but he says he was surprised to find out that Yoshida told him that at one point he thought he was going to the Blue Jays. Now, the reason I mention this is because we've been saying for a while now that given the payroll this ownership group is carrying, I cannot for the life of me think that at any point in their planning for the offseason, did they say, you know what, it'd be really good? It'd be really good if we could have Brandon Belt as our cleanup hitter. And I've always thought, <laughs> I've always thought that this lineup was incomplete. So maybe, and again, nobody's confirming or denying this. You know, maybe the agent told Yoshida, hey, you almost ended up in Toronto and he's putting two and two together and coming up with five. But the reason I mention this to you is that would have been a significant move and his signing ties in with a bunch of moves the Blue Jays made, signing Bassett uh, a day later, uh, signing Kiermaier, trading Varsho eight days later, things of this nature. How quickly do front offices pivot, David, when a player falls through? Like, you know, I I would presume there's so many people in this front office. I don't think they're going to sit there and say, we're going to put our eggs in this entire basket. Clearly, I w- I was, I'm hoping somebody's got a plan B or a plan C. But how hard is it to for a front office to, quote-unquote, pivot off a guy you really zero in on? Here's the, the interesting point, is that sometimes the pivot is the mistake. And I want to just briefly talk about the Giants, if you don't mind. Absolutely. The Giants were going after... Uh, judge, and it didn't happen. Then they pivoted immediately to Correa. Didn't happen. And then they did the Boris Conforto signing and got him for like two years, $36 million, like they had a hole in their pocket that they had to spend the money. The biggest issue I have with the pivot, and I'm guilty of it, what happens is you identify a free agent, you have money in your payroll for that free agent, and if that free agent, you don't get him, for the number that you are comfortable with or if the player doesn't want to play for you, whatever the case may be, it is very common for teams to then have their backup list, which is what you're saying is plan B or plan C. My issue always was we would pivot to a plan B or plan C so quickly, the way Toronto did, that you don't give yourself a chance to breathe. It's like being left at the altar and looking for someone else the next day because you're so worried about being alone. And that's how teams act but there's always players available. There's always the next guy, always a time to spend money. So it's not a coincidence what you're saying happened. They had money set aside for it, and then they reallocated the money immediately. When 
given your ownership setup with, you know, you had an owner in, in, in Jeffrey who was really personally vested in the team, huge baseball fan. Was that hard? And, and, and I've got to think that Jeffrey probably wanted to be involved in these things. Was it hard to get him to pivot off something? No, because we did it from the beginning. He loved it. That's all he did was pivot, right? Okay, we, we'd true. Be up with him till two in the morning, where he'd say, "If we go, if this doesn't happen, what about this? If that doesn't happen, let's talk about this, this, and this." It actually was mind-numbing the amount of pivoting he did, to the point of it not being realistic and and being a pain in the neck because we all wanted to go to sleep, and he didn't. You know, he wanted to have meetings on Christmas Day, New Year's Day, and Hanukkah, because that's how interested he was. But we were very nimble. Because it was just him and me. That's the, that was the chain of command. What's interesting about the Blue Jays is I don't know exactly where permission is mm. or what the levels of red tape are for getting extra money or special money, which is what we did sometimes to sign a player, which was above budget. We'd go to Jeffrey, he'd answer in three minutes, and then we'd make an offer. And I don't know how nimble the Blue Jays are. David, let's talk trade deadline. I'm curious to know, front offices, when they start looking at the schedule and going, okay, they're hypothetical, saying there's 20 days left before the trade deadline. If my team goes, say there's 20 games, say they go, I'm just throwing out a number, say 15 and five, that's high, but say 15 and five, I'm going to do this. Do front offices do that, right? Is there a number that would tell you, okay, if they go above this number, we're sort of going to go all in. Whatever all in is, if they go below that number, we're going to do just enough to say we did something. Does that happen? It's not, it's not nearly as sexy as you're making it out to be because if you say 15 and 5 and then you're 14 and, and 6, you'll say, oh, 14 and 6 is close enough. Yeah. So it's not so binary. And what we do in the beginning of the season is we actually budget. There's a line item for deadline acquisitions. So we'll plan for that in advance, but we'll also have an understanding if we're not hitting our revenue numbers that we may have to adjust our payroll down or take money out of the deadline acquisition budget and eliminate it in order to balance the budget if the owner does not approve the higher losses. So you are planning that from the beginning of the season, and you are letting the team decide for you whether you're going to use it. In other words, does the team deserve help like the Marlins do right now, or does the team sort of not deserve help? And I could argue Mm. decently persuasively, maybe that the blue Jays would be an example of a team that is not yet proven to me that there should be further investment put into it. Wow. Yeah. No, listen, I, I, that kind of leads me to my next question because one of the things I've kind of come to the realization about this team, as I look at this team and as I look at the minor league system, I don't think the Jays are going to be sellers or buyers. I think they're going to be uh, constructionist, a team that tries to put a team that tries to make a deal that gives them a little help next year as as well as this year. And I wanted to ask you if if I gave you three things, uh, if if I asked you whether a team is a seller, whether a team is a buyer, or whether a team is going to try to you know, tread the middle ground and be a team that gets something that helps you a little bit this year, helps you a lot next year, maybe hurts you a little bit this year, but could help you a great deal next year. What, what, what role is it harder to fill at oh, the deadline of those, those three rules? If they exist, maybe that third rule doesn't exist. Maybe that only exists in fantasy sports. 
the hardest thing is to get help now that doesn't that doesn't impact your future that can help you down the road. So when I say help now that impacts your future, that's trading for a rental or a soon to be free agent and someone who you don't have control over except for this season. And you're hoping to make the playoffs and make a run. And then if you don't get it done, you've lost the prospect that you traded to get the guy and the guy's no longer there next season for the Marlins and the Expos. We were actually happy about that because we didn't want those guys counted on next year's payroll. We were willing to churn the roster and start over. What's become more in vogue now is teams doing that middle ground where you can't analyze whether they're actually buying or selling because analytics would tell you that going all in, as you put it, it doesn't really work except for one team. And then you end up three months later having spent extra money and you don't have anything to show for it. And so that is why the, the numbers and analytics and the intelligent people would say it's way better to get help that is good for this year, but will also be part of your team going forward. David, just uh, moving off, uh, I was going to say off base a little bit here. This just uh, moved on the wires. Maple Leaf Sports, or I should say by, from Sportico, problem, pardon me, it's not the wire. Uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment Chair, Chairman Larry Tannenbaum is close to selling a share of his holdings to OMERS, which is a pension plan for Ontario municipal employees at an enterprise value of more than $8 billion, according to multiple people from the Multiple people familiar with the process who are not authorized to speak publicly. Again, this is Portico. Uh, Sportico, sorry. I mean, there are some issues here. Rogers Communications and Bell Canada control the other 75% of MLSE. They have a right of first refusal. But this is, where, this is what I wanted to ask you about because I found this kind of interesting. Um, the NBA voted last year, at the end of last year, to allow franchises to accept investments from endowments, pension plans, pension funds, sorry, and sovereign wealth. And and I'm just wondering, that's something we've seen in soccer in the UK where teams have been bought out by sovereign wealth funds. Is this a trend that we might see in baseball as well where, uh, you know, you do allow pension plans and sovereign wealth funds in particular to, to buy into teams or even buy teams full out? Yeah, and it's something that we have to talk about. I've addressed it in pretty good detail, nothing personal. So I'll give you the summary, which is if you want your team's valuations to continue to increase, you're lessening the number of qualified buyers out there. Mm-hmm. How many $20 billion purchasers are there? So you have to let in these funds. The NBA is letting sovereign funds, which is money from Qatar or Saudi Arabia or sports washing, as I like to call it. Mm -hmm. But the NBA said, we're going to let it in. They can't control the team, but they can buy in as an LP. And wait and see. There will be a sovereign fund that invests in an NBA team very soon because owners want to both take money off the table or reinvest the money to buy other assets or do estate planning. Whatever the case is, they're holding these large assets and have to figure out how to deal with it. And the leagues want the values to continue to increase. Therefore, you have to increase the, the ocean of possible buyers, and that includes these funds. Wasn't there a time where Major League Baseball, I, I could be wrong, but I think I'm right here, didn't, didn't Bud want a quote-unquote face of, of, of ownership when, when teams were sold? In other words, that there was a, a, a clearly identifiable majority owner or am, or am I wrong there? Has it, have they've always... No, you're right. Okay. That's still the case. 
and it that's is. the case in the NBA as well and the NFL. You need a person, and you need a person, right? In 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 Major League Baseball, it's called the control person. Rogers identifies somebody mm-hmm. who is the control person who doesn't have to go back to Rogers. It has the ability and power in writing to make decisions on behalf of the Blue Jays as a member of Major League Baseball that binds the Blue Jays into that action. So that is a real thing that happens with the Blue Jays, that, that it is the control person who has that right. So for me, I am looking at whether or not that will continue. My answer is yes. There will always be a need for each team in the league to have a face someone who is responsible ultimately to make decisions on collective bargaining, rule changes, et cetera. David, really good of you to join us yeah, today. Great awesome. stuff as always, my friend. Thanks for this. Great stuff. Hey, have a great day. You Thank too. You. Thank you. David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal uh, and uh, former president of the Miami Marlins. And that, uh, that MLSE story just uh, moved on uh, Sportico. Uh, and of course that is of interest in the city because that is the, that's the, the, hmm. the, the Leafs, the Raptors, uh, TFC, and the Argonauts. Are, are, are you shocked by what he said about the Blue Jays? No. I, I mean, we've talked about this off air, and we've, I think I've, I've said this on air. Um, I mean, this team, has to, this team has to win with Vladdy and Bo. It's got to win a World Series. With Flatty and both. That to me is is what this this is all about. I look at this team and I just think there are too there are too many questions. There are too too many things have happened that I don't think you can cure at the trade deadline. Now, if Alec Manoa comes back and is Alec Manoa of last year. That could go a long way in changing my mind. I'm almost at the point now with Vladdy where I'll take what Vladdy gives me this year. I don't, I'm not, look, I'm not writing off Vladdy, saying trading, mm-hmm. trade Vladdy or anything like that. No I am saying, no, I don't sign him to a long-term contract. I think that, that's, that's gone. That, that train left I'm, the station I'm a while you. ago. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a, this is a team that needs to, and, you know, Addison Barger's healthy again, playing at AAA. Mm. I have no idea what's happening with Ricky Tiedemann. Um, Relvis Martinez, uh, th- those are three guys that I think will need to play roles for important roles for the Blue Jays in the next, in the next couple of years. And I need to know where they are before I figure out what I'm doing at the deadline. I do know this. If I am Ross Atkins... I might be looking at doing something like trading Matt Chapman in return for a piece that I can use next year. Because, Kevin, I don't have a cleanup hitter next year. No, 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 let me finish. I I don't have a cleanup hitter next year. That guy's not around right now. Um, I'm going to need to add another bat at least next year. Uh, Pitching, I should be okay. You know what? I'm okay if Manoa comes back. Manoa, Barrios, Gossman... And Bassett, I got four guys. I'm set pitching, and I know every year you're going to say you never have too much pitching. I'm done with the starting pitching. I'm not adding to the rotation. I got enough there. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going into the trade deadline looking to add a Mitch White or anything. I'm I'm done with that. Those are my guys. Those are my pitchers. 
but I may look at trading a dude like Matt Chapman to get a guy who's going to help me next year and this year. So in other words, maybe a guy who can, a younger third baseman, um, you know, who, who I can put in this year and is going to help me next year. And if I need to go in and address offense in another way, maybe I try to trade for a veteran type hitter that I'm only bringing in for a year. But what I'm saying is I don't think the Jays, I don't think they can be sellers because I don't think there's necessarily enough to sell there. You know, Kiermaier, Merrifield, and Chapman, um, you know, teams might be interested in them. I kind of I kind of want to keep Whit Merrifield around. I kind of want to keep Kevin Kiermaier around. It right. next year? It is. That's a lot. But I, man, I just, I don't know. I don't see the Jays as being buyers, you know, unless. Uh, I don't see how you can't. The quality of stuff that you don't have. A lot of that is because of what you didn't do. I don't yeah, think but, you. Got, I don't. Then, I don't think you have a choice. But you're gonna. I, I, I think. I think they sort of are where they are because of that. Some of that reason, right? Obviously, some guys are not performing and living up to what everybody thought they should. And you know, if they do, they'll be fighting for a division and hopefully be right there going into the playoffs, running right, not not backing in. Yeah. I I just don't. I just don't know if you if you if you can afford not to tr- to do. So. Like you, you can't bring another Mitch White in here in, well, in, in, at the trade deadline. Let me ask and, you, and, and sell that to your. You know, I, I'm not always a big fan of that clubhouse thing, but let me like ask you. You got this. a top five hitter on your team. You, like you got some really good pitchers on your team. Some older, experienced dudes who are getting it done. They, de- you wouldn't think they deserve it. Look at the team. Right, so you got to ask yourself. You're the GM of this team. Well, like they're doing their part. Let's, but, but well, here's the thing. <laughs> All right. Um, let's say that, uh, let's say that the standings, let's give the Jays the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that they go on a little bit of a run here. Okay. Cause they've got a softer part of the schedule coming up. So right now they're half a game out of the wild card. They're not winning the East. We know that. Mm-hmm. Let's put them in the wild card picture. Let's say that they're good enough that um, when the trade deadline rolls around, just for argument's sake, say they're better than the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So you've got Tampa Bay, Texas, Minnesota, Baltimore, Toronto, Yankees, Houston. Those are the teams going to the postseason. So your your wild card teams are going to be Baltimore, Toronto, Houston. Um, let's throw the Yankees in there as well. Baltimore, Toronto, Houston, Yankees. Uh, I'm going to drop the Angels. Like I don't I don't believe in the Angels. So I'm going to say those are the four wildcard teams along with Tampa Bay, Texas, and Minnesota. Um, ask yourself if you're the Blue Jays against those teams. Think you can go on a run? Who, who, are those teams can you, who are those teams can you beat? Tampa Bay, Texas, Minnesota you should be able to beat. Baltimore, Yankees, Houston. And they play Houston pretty well. But the thing I will say is you've got the you pitching. Got- Again, you've got the pitching. You've got... This this rotation, I'll take this rotation in a, in a postseason series. How do you win games in postseason? Pitching and defense. Pitching and defense. Well, you just said it. But I, I don't think you don't... have a choice. I don't think you have a choice. Like there's some tension in that clubhouse, and a lot of that is because of when some dudes go down and not performing, and what they bring in is. But if you're the not Jays... the way it should be looking. There's some tension in there. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. And I guess the I'm question. Not even, I'm, not, I'm not even saying that, that that's a big deal and get over it. You but, might say that. But 
No, the, how do you, the question how do you also not, is how do you not do something? And I a guess little, uh, more than a little something. I guess the question is what is what is Matt Chapman, who is eligible for free agency, going to give you that is or going to help you, you this year you, or next yeah, year? Yeah, it's not going to be a ton. Right? Yeah, um, he's streaky hitter. But uh, yeah, and you're already. I mean, your payroll is what it is, and and the season's half over, so the payroll essentially becomes less of an issue when the season's half over because anybody you're getting, you're only paying the prorated portion anyhow. Um, I, I mean, look, I, what do I think they'll do? Uh, I mean, I think this ownership is showing they're all in. They want to win a World Series. I think they will be very aggressive and be buyers. I think they should be. If it's me, I might be looking at what this team is about this year, looking at my lineup and asking myself, am I as good as I thought I was? Why, why wouldn't I? Go for it. Maybe if I had one more piece, takes pressure off other dudes. Flat Perhaps. Maybe, maybe it helps. What do you got to lose? Like you, if you say you're all in, all in's not bringing in nah, Kevin Barker's in the world. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the back leg line is open four one six four one three three nine five nine. It's so open that we're going to go to it next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet five ninety The Fan and Sportsnet. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. No Blue Jays baseball tomorrow, but we'll be on from 5 to 7. As always, if you're uh, listening to us via podcast, please uh, leave Mr. Barker a brilliant review. Why has it got to be me? Because. It can be you, too. No. No. I don't read those things. I, I just don't. And, uh, of course, in addition to Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet. Uh, you can uh, listen to us wherever you get your favorite podcast. Our podcast is usually downloaded pronto, very fast at the end of the show, because I know I know when we move from ten to noon, uh, from ten to noon to now, that there are people saying, "Well, I can't get the podcast because it's a podcast schedule is different." Well, you can still get it; just listen to it at a different time. Mm-hmm. We try to be forward thinking, talking about that Larry Tannenbaum story in MLS. You know, we try to be forward thinking and advanced. Four one six four one three three nine five nine is the back leg line, and uh, it's open twenty four hours. We have uh, one person that does it. No, all. generally there's three or four people that stay around here twenty four hours face. a day. He really enjoys it too. Yeah, he does. Look. The highlight of his day, and uh, we collate the calls. We put them together in alphabetical order. Uh, we edit them. Worst we check best. the sound levels, and uh, knowing full well that at the end of the day. Even though you don't get a uh, you don't get a cash prize for having your calls picked yeah. or any type of award, not even a T-shirt, the fact that you have our undying love and respect, well, yours means a great deal to you, Daryl and Mississauga, for example. Prior to today's victory over the Miami Marlins, the Blue Jays have not been hitting the last couple of days. Now everyone's saying about um, throwing the manager overboard. When does the hitting coach or the pitching coach 
face any heat on uh, their future with the what? ball club. What? Thanks, and I'll hang up and listen. The pitching the coach. pitching coach. What is going on around here? Yeah. I mean, the pitching what? coach isn't going to face any heat because the team isn't hitting. Um, the last time I checked, the uh, pitching's pretty good. Pitching's pretty good. I, you know, uh, Alec Manoa is there. That uh, we don't. <laughs> okay, let me just. I, I'm, I'm going to say this right out. Hmm. We're never going to know the full story about Alec Manoa's issues. No, we just aren't. We just aren't. Um, we just aren't. I. And I, I that, that's just the way it is. So I, I don't think you can blame anybody for what's happening or what had happened with Alcala. You just, you just can't. Sometimes stuff happens. Because um, I know people were saying, well, if Pete Walker was such a great pitching coach, why did that happen with Alec Manoa? Well, the same reason that Robbie Ray won a Cy Young Award with Pete Walker, because stuff happens. I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, the hitting coach, we've, we've talked about this. I'm always, I always have an issue with this because working beside Kevin, I've basically come to accept that hitching coach is the dude who who soft tosses to you. And when you need help, you go to him and hopefully he's got some kind words for you. And then he soft tosses to you again and you figure the way out of it. There it is. Analytics has changed everything about the way baseball is managed and coach now. We've talked about, well, I mean, we're only kidding when we say that there's literally four people in the dugout who have something to do with hitting. Um, that doesn't include the dude who's the best hitter in the dugout, Don Mattingly. Um, I'm sure he's got a role in it, but he's not, he's not there as the hitting coach. He's not there not as the hitting strategist. Exactly. No. Nope. Um, if it's me, I'm looking at this organization. I've got Victor Martinez as a special advisor. I had Dante Bichette as a special advisor at one point, and everybody seemed to like it. Oh, and by the way, Santiago Espinal will tell you that when he went back down to Florida this year, one of the people he spoke to was Dante Bichette. I understand that the way the game is now analytically, the whole notion of your hitting coach is going to be a dude like Don Baylor or somebody like that with a long track record or Dusty Baker. That's not always going to be the case. Sometimes it's going to be a guy who went to the University of North Carolina and did his thesis in, in whatever the hell it is he did his thesis on. Sometimes those are the guys that are going to be hitting coaches. That's just the way the baseball world is now. But, Kevin, I think we're on the same page. I would like to have a voice in the dugout like a Victor Martinez who can go, yeah, I mean, I've been there. You yeah, know maybe, I've been maybe, there. Maybe not a month long. But I've been there. But I've been there. I've been over twenty. Yeah. I, I know how to get out of over twenties. Does Guillermo know how to do that? And I don't Ray need. And here's the thing: that? I don't need an iPad to show you how to get out over twenty. This is how I did it. Now that doesn't mean it's going to work. It's not. Again, it's not like the hitting coaches and the offensive coordinator. Right? The hitting coach doesn't go up and say, "Guys, you know what? Let's go up and uh, have score five runs and twenty-two pitches today. Swing at the second pitch every time. Hot on three. Break. <laughs> they don't do that." That doesn't it, it doesn't work that way uh. in baseball. But the, your point is well made. I, I know I, I've said this. I've covered enough teams that sometimes somebody's got to pay the price when something happens. Experience. And their stages are usually yeah. fire them, fire the coaches, yeah. Yeah. fire a manager, fire the GM. Experience There's three matters. stages. It does matter. They're, they're, it does you can mesh everything together, but when it hits the fan, 
and I can walk up to a dude that says got 300 big ones in the show and say, when you were stinking and couldn't hit a ball for tea, what did you do to get out of it? Well, maybe Bob That's and all. maybe Bob and Penn Tickton could be Bob the hitting coach because uh, he uh, well he he watched some video on Vlad lately. Awesome, and he seems to pick something up. Nice. I have a question for you. I watched uh, Vladdy's ta- first 100 home runs this morning, mm-hmm. and would he or his hitting instructors ever watch that to see the difference in then and now? In particular, what I saw was his hand placement up by his helmet with very little movement when he went to swing and hit the ball. Just checking. Thanks for your help. Talk to you soon. Ciao. I'll say this. It'll take you a lot longer to watch his first 100 home runs than to watch the home runs he's hit this year. Be nice. Sorry. <laughs> or the ones he's hit at home. I mean, I mean, good for Bob to, to go back and watch all 100 of those. I, I see what you're doing here. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> Look, yeah, look, can't look, sneak cheese past a Does he? Does he? Boy, sometimes you hope not. It, it's uh, <laughs> it is amazing that you're starting to hear less from the people that are struggling about mechanics than you are about what they're swinging at. It, it, uh, it, it, it is amazing the last however long, the last week oh, and a half. Listen to what Matt Chapman talked oh, about last man. night. It was, did you hear anything about mechanics? My foot's not down on no. time. I'm late with my, my backside. Tap. My, my rotation's is, not very good. Yeah. My hands are not driving down and through it. Nope. I need to get a better pitch to hit. Something that I like that I can do maximum damage on. Didn't say any of that other stuff. It's just, I, I, I'm sure... That when you swing, Vladdy, at a 1-0 slider that's on the black down and away from a righty that throws 1 billion miles an hour, your hands will move probably too much trying to get it back up to catch point of contact out front to create backspin to get the ball in the air to right center field. It, it it is it really like there if Bob's doing this, which you know, I I don't know if Bob's ever met Vladdy or or anybody that's any coach that has anything to maybe do Vladdy with the will Jays. fly him in. You don't I, you don't think that the Jays, the khakis, his uncle, have not been sitting watching more video than you can shake a stick at. I I just I again if you watch today, Jeff, you watch it what he swings at. Mm. And thinking that intent to do damage, you walk to the plate, you have one thing to tell yourself. What can I swing at with the intent to destroy that baseball? And we are still operating under the assumption that the wrist isn't an issue. I've been told I've asked three, I've asked nine different people, nine different people have told me he's healthy. All right. The, you know, the, the answer I get. I mean, he's still, you know he's the still hitting the ball hard. You know what the so. answer I, Yeah, 113 mile an hour yeah. double play. You know what the answer I get what? is? He's playing. Brenton Victoria. Brent. Love the show. Uh, Thanks, just looking Brent. for your insights into, uh, love these, love the outfielders as well, but some insights mm-hmm. into why Varsho at 510 often gets the center field spot when 
Springer and Kiermaier are both fence jumpers at 6263. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, Thanks. Keep up the good work. Go, Jason. I think it's an easy answer. I think uh, Varsho's younger. Uh, and runs, they're tra- they're he tra- covers a lot of ground. Runs, runs better routes. Uh, and, uh, George think- Springer is a better right fielder than center fielder. And quite frankly, they're trying to keep George Springer on the field until the end of the season. Yeah, you really don't want George Springer it's using his six-two to climb the wall and make a catch. That screams... And George, George Springer's, I gotta, I gotta say this, he's a better right fielder than no he question. is a center you fielder. Tell I, I just don't think there's any doubt. You can tell that. Running routes, he, you can tell he's comfortable, he's happy out there. He hits the cutoff guy more there. Yes, like he, he, doesn't does. leave, he doesn't leave his feet as much in right yeah. field, which means he gets better jumps. You know, he had better placement before the ball leaves the bat. Like everything looks better. Optics and of this just is, being a better outfielder is better in right and field this than is the numbers will bear out that this is the best defensive outfield in baseball right now it the way is it's being used oh, no, they're, question. They're, no question they're really good but here, okay I, I i thought about this and, and brent thanks for the call because i thought about the the things that have we talk a lot about ross atkins moves in the offseason well, what were the goals in the offseason well the one goal was one goal was to improve the defense that's been done clearly Put Springer in right. Second goal was to get more. <laughs> that was the goal. Well, get Kiermaier. Yeah. And, and Varsho. The Absolutely. outfield defense is much better. It's yeah. much better. Uh, the second thing was we talked about, hey, got to get innings out of your starting pitching because every team that was in the postseason last year had one thing in common. Yeah. They got a ton of innings they out of their starting pitching. Bango. You're getting a ton of innings out of your starting Boom. pitching. Even with Alec Manoa stinking, you're getting a ton of innings Where out of your is. starting pitching. I, I just I, I feel I need to mention that because we talk all the time about the GM didn't do this, the GM didn't do that, the GM didn't do this, the GM didn't do that. The GM did succeed in two areas. He su- succeeded in two very important areas. Again, the lineup. I just I just want to throw that out there. That's all. Winston and Hawksville. Way to go, Jeff. Um, just wondering now that Brandon Belt is back. What would you guys like the ideal lineup to be um, on any given day? They seem to be jumbling it around a lot. Um, I personally like to see Varsho hitting in the two-hole mm. for a little while here, move Bo into the cleanup spot, <laughs> and Vladdy hit, hitting third. And then I'd like uh, Belt in the five-hole to kind of separate the lefties. Merrifield hitting sixth, and then Chapman hitting seven. Yeah, just curious what your thoughts are. Uh, I'd love to have Yoshida hitting second and then, uh, oh, we can't do that. Sorry. I'm with the caller. I listen, I, uh, yeah. I'll say it. Springer leading off Merrifield or uh, Varsho hitting second, depending on if it's a lefty yeah, or righty yeah, yeah. Vladdy third bow. Can I up. ask you a question? Yeah. Tell me the truth. What? Because of the way they're hitting and the way Vladdy's hitting, you don't think that if they were going to do that, they'd have done it already. I would move bow to the cleanup spot. What are you waiting for? The, 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 if the they caller, had any the caller's question whatsoever on that, you the, the, the caller's question is what is what do I what is my ideal do? lineup, and that's what I would do. That doesn't mean that. It's, I, but you're asking I me what I would about, do. I, I'd I think it's have, about they want Bo up in the first inning. Well, great. Well, Bo's been do. coming out in the first inning, and they haven't been scoring jack. Well, that's why they're moving around the guy in the two hole. Yeah. Well, well, maybe because of the dude hitting cleanup now is not. Been doing things. You've been trying to play for the big inning. You and are. And you know what? And you got a big inning today based on singles and doubles. Didn't get a big inning based on a home run. I'm just saying. So you're saying it worked? No. Who was hitting second? Merrifield. There you go. Yeah. 
I said, again, Springer, Merrifield, slash Varsho. I don't mind Varsho hitting second. Uh, well, and I understand, when he said it, I did. It's okay. And I understand the idea that, you know, your top two hitters are going to get the most at bats, et cetera. Et cetera. I'm, playing, yeah, I think I'm, playing for, I'm playing for the big inning. Yeah. Springer, Varsho, Merrifield, Guerrero, Bo, Belt. I've got a nice little lefty mix in there. I can throw Chapman after Belt. I can, I don't know. Anyhow. How about Kevin Biggio? I just felt like mentioning Kevin Biggio. How about Nate Pearson? Just felt like mentioning Nate Pearson. Uh, hey, what's your point about Nate Pearson? What's your point about Kevin Biggio? <laughs> huh? Just, just saying that's <laughs> Just saying, too. You got you a, well, what's your ideal lineup? I'd, he, he's not here. I'd put it to you that way. Like, with what they got now, again, I, I, we, we hate to keep point. saying this. That's a good point. But it's Vladdy. Like, well, we hate to – because it's a lot of pressure. But the, the, it just – how much better would everything look around it? Like, every, every, everything okay, you would want to do, absent, if his at-bats were better, you absent, could do whatever you wanted to do. Absent three home runs on Friday. What do you – what do you need to see from Vladdy that suggests things are turning around? Would th- th- that okay. that at bat he had the other night, where he pulled his hands in and, and drove the ball up the middle? That was that was good. That looked good. But what do you need to see? Because I don't think we're good. At, at this point, I don't think it's a matter of Vladdy's going to walk to the plate, hit three home runs in one game, and the, the light's going to be turned on. Do you? I think it's got to be. Do you think there's a little more gradual? Gradual, yeah. I think to I, th- it. I think it's all about counts. I, I think it's exactly the way it was today. You look at every single one of the at bats he had today. It was about how do I get an account where I can have an educated guess of where this is being thrown, and I can get everything started in the right direction. And if it's mechanical, I can make up for that now because I am in a count that they want to attack me and don't want to go three and zero like that. That's basically it. How do you do that? It's okay if it's one and one. It's okay if I get ahead in the count, it's 1-0 because they throw the little two-seamer in trying to get me to chase and get myself out, which is, it's easy. Like everybody, you don't have to be a guru to see it. And he'll, and, and the catcher's telling you, you see it. He takes the first one that's like six inches off the plate and the catcher goes, gives him the fist pump and sets up in there again knowing he'll swing at it. He just can't help himself. He ain't going to move around in the, in the batter's box. So that's out the window. So it's about counts, okay? If I can't hit something right now, I'm not saying two weeks from now, you won't be able to have more plate coverage than Bo Bichette, but right now you don't have that. So right now you got to split the plate in half, give everything in until two strikes, and you have to be better at quadrants. Like the newsflash, you just can't cover it all, and you're trying to do that. And until you realize that right now, for whatever reason, it's going to continue to look the way it looks today. I've said amateur approaches. That's exactly what it is. That's not the way an elite offensive player that I think Vladdy is because you notice when he gets a good one, the ball comes off his barrel like nobody's business. But it's just consistently he don't get the pitch to do that with. He's not Bo Bichette. He's not his dad like you say. Right now, he's got to zone up and be better with just everything that count leverage. 
Great hitters will tell you, and Matt Chapman said that exact thing after the game yesterday, count leverage. I get in a 2-0 count to where I can have an educated guess and get in an athletic position to be able to have maximum damage with that baseball. Until he does that, you can put whoever you want to put wherever you want to put them. Saw so Marky down as not being prepared to give us the lineup. I went through I'm it. Just Experience, just you can't teach it. That's it for us. We'll be back tomorrow. Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet. Have yourself a great day. Thank you.